you know, we're reading through the Bible if you're going through the bookmark, and we're reading in the book of 2 Corinthians. And Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians because they'd heard what was happening in his ministry. And they got excited, and they said, well, we want to be part of that. We want to give. So he wrote them a letter, and he used something that they understand because they understood farming. So in the letter, he wrote to them, he says, you know, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And if you sow generously, you'll reap generously. Basically, what he said is, if you plant a lot of seeds, then come harvest time, you have a lot of fruit. Well, I want to speak to you as somebody who's been at this church for 20 years. This church is reaping a lot of fruit. When I walk through, I see so many faces that are volunteering. And they're familiar to me because there are kids who have grown up in our children's ministry and our youth ministry, and now they're adults and they're leaders within the ministries of our church. Not only that, but three of our staff members have grown up through our children's ministry and our youth ministry. So we're bearing fruit. So I want to pause right now, and I want to speak to the forerunners, those who have been here since the Boys and Girls Club days and beyond that. Thank you for obeying God. Thank you for being generous in your tithes and offerings because in this harvest time, there is so much fruit to be born. We've seen so many kids that have grown up, and they're now serving. Now, and those of you who are sitting here and you said, well, I wasn't a forerunner, I'm going to encourage you to sow generously. Because someday someone's going to be standing up here and they're going to be saying the same things to you. Because I'm telling you right now that our future leaders in this church, our future leaders within government, our future leaders within our communities and in the public sector are sitting right across the way. They're in our mighty Marvel's wings. They're in our mini Marvel's wings. They're in our youth wings. And we're investing in them and we're growing them up to be the leaders who takes this generation and gives them the hope and the wisdom and the encouragement that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. Now, if you're visiting here for the first time, don't feel that you have to give. You can sit back, hear the word of God, and receive everything that Jesus has for you, all the encouragement and the hope that he has. But if you're a part of New Hope, and you say, this is it, my heart beats with this, then we get to, like Paul said, we get to sow generously, so that in the future, we're going to reap generously. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful to you. Thank you for the love that you poured out on us and into us. And we ask, Lord God, that we would continue being your lights and your salt. And Lord, as we receive the tithes and the offerings, would you bless this, Lord God, so that others may know, and we're talking not just others right now in the here and now and in the present, but in the future, that as we invest in our children and in our youth, as we invest in the vision and the direction and the purpose you have for this church, that down the road people will know there is a God and there is a hope for them. So, Lord God, we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so thankful that at an early age they're learning about God. Imagine many of us, we came to know God at a later time of life, and boy, would it have saved us years of frustration if we came to know Jesus at an early age. So thank you for investing in our youth and for believing in them because they're learning how to do things God's way. It's hard for us to change from our way to God's way in an instant. Like it takes time for us to develop that. That's what this series is about. It's talking about God's kingdom and his wisdom. Because if it is his wisdom and his kingdom, then we get to benefit from it. And in this world, you're going to have those two kingdoms. You're going to have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. The question is, which kingdom do we want to be a part of? And we can't be a part of two. 
we have to choose one or the other. But today, as we talk about doing things God's way, we're going to learn that doing things His way is the best way. It's the best way. And many of us will have our own opinions about certain things, but when it comes to God's way, His ways are truthful and they always work. His way is the best way. And the reason why it works is because when God does something, it's not just for the time being, it's for all of eternity. So he has a bigger picture than what we see today. So sometimes we'll see something happening, we'll try God's way for a little bit, and then we'll give up saying it's not working. But we got to stick with God. we got to stay with him. For many of you, you were here last week, and uh, it was your first time to church. It was Easter, and you're invited, and you're back, so welcome back to church. As well as those who are visiting from uh, Outer Island or from beyond because of the Merry Monarch, so we welcome all of you. Uh, maybe, maybe for those of you who were a part of the Merry Monarch, you're not here yet because you just went to bed. So you might see this online, but uh, that's why we have third service. For those that are able to sleep in, we have third service. But you're here today, and you're here because you want to invest in doing things God's way. So you can take out your, your notes with us or your church app if you want to use that. And I thought about when we do things God's way, it, the struggle is not just learning about His way, it's also unlearning our ways. And the more of us there is in this walk with God, the more we need to unlearn us. The other day I was leaving my home and I noticed that there was one of the power lines that came from the telephone pole and I guess, I don't know, maybe something hit it, but it was disconnected from the, our neighbor's house and the telephone pole was across our street so when I'm turning out of my house, it came down from across the street to my neighbor's house, and it was low uh, because it was on the ground. So I noticed that if a car drove by, then they would hit the power line. And, but when I looked at it, it was the, the lower of, on the, the power lines or the telephone pole. So I, I think it's either cable or internet or things like that. It's not the actual power line. But I wasn't going to test it like you test, you know, 9-volt batteries. You know, put your tongue on it. Oh, yeah, 20,000 volts. It works. So I, I thought, well, I don't know who to call. So I called 911, and I told them the situation. And then they connected me uh, with fire department. And they said, okay, we'll take a look at it. Well, as I'm driving away, I'm thinking, well, what do I do now? Because if someone comes down the street and... You, know, you don't see the line, and they hit it, then that's not going to be good either. So I thought, maybe I should put a cone there, like one of those traffic cones, but I don't, I don't have one at my house lying around, but my neighbor does. But they, it was early in the morning, so I didn't know if I should like, knock on the door, hey, brother, I can borrow your cone. I didn't know how to, how to do that, so I thought, maybe I'll put something else there, a bucket or something. And then I'm thinking, what if I put my bucket there? Somebody come by, oh, free bucket, and they take it. So I'm going through all of this. As I'm driving back, I noticed that the, the service truck was already on their way. I thought, well, all right, super fast. So the guy parks the service truck on the side, and I noticed that on the wire, someone tied a tea leaf on it. Genius, one tea leaf. You know, like how we put on the back of the truck for protection. That's what they did. And I'm wondering, I wonder what they were thinking. Like, hey, no more cone. No more. Hey, you know, honey, I'm going to put a tea leaf. I thought, that's, that's pretty good. But I don't know if you would notice it coming down, you know, 25 miles an hour, a floating tea leaf in the middle of the sky. It's like, oh, honey, look, the floating tea leaf. Rah! And you hit the wire. So the guy was there, and he was able to fix it. He put it up, and, and everything was fine. And I thought, this guy, all he did was grab the wire, because it wasn't electrical, and he just tied it onto the branch, 
and then he was able to service it and get it back in, you know, working order. And I thought, here are three people, myself, who was thinking of put a cone in the middle of the road to let people know that there's a line there or a bucket. Here's this other guy who ties a tea leaf on it. So if that was you, brilliant, ties a tea leaf. You should have put more, though. Only had one. should have put, like, a whole, like whole skirt of tea leaves. <laughs> but then the service guy comes, and he does it the correct way. He hooks it back up and makes sure everything is set. Now, we all had a different way of doing things because of, one, inexperience. I, I didn't know what to do. And then also, we don't have the necessary tools to do what the service person could do. So we all have different areas of expertise when it comes to doing things our way and doing things God's way. God has a certain way of doing things. He's the expert at it. He has all the tools necessary for our lives, just like the serviceman had all the necessary tools to fix this cable line correctly. Some of us will just throw our lives together, put a tea leaf on it, and say, good enough. We're good to go. Throw a bucket in our lives, a cone that says, good enough. But this guy said, no, 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 we have to do it this way because this is the best way. And that's what God says to us. This is the best way. Some time ago, we were in our youth wing, and we had to paint one of the rooms. And someone said, hey, why don't you have some of the youth involved? That way you can mentor them, teach them, and it could be a relationship building time. I said, brilliant. Yeah, good call. So I said, okay, guys, we're going to paint this room. We're going to have some stripes here, some stripes there. We're going to have to tape it and then, you know, get some uh, straight edges so he said, okay, so here I am, I'm painting, and I, I, I paint in a certain pattern, right? You want to use a pattern, like a W pattern, so that you can't see lines or streaks or whatever. So you're doing it in this pattern, and I'm trying to be it professionally, get it done, you know, dip the paint, not, no, no drips, make it good, go light coat, light coat, light coat, you build up to your final coat. And so I'm looking at the youth, they're talking story, oh yeah, he's at the beach, oh, the waves was mean, mean the beach, oh, so good. And I'm looking at him, saying, oh, oh, oh. What are you guys doing? Huh? What? We're painting. I said, yeah, but, okay, okay, come here. Okay, look at mine. They said, oh, y'all's thin. I said, what do you mean thin? They said, yeah, you need more enough paint. I said, no, no, no. You, you build up. You do light coats, and then you, you do one or two coats, and then you can build up from there. I said, look, your guys one. You can put a dipstick inside. Look how thick your guys one. They said, yeah, we, because we only got to do one coat. I said, yeah, but your one coat is ten coats, and it's dripping they said, no, but as it drips, we just clean them up. As it drips, we just clean them up. And as they're painting, it's all on the ground. They're like, oh, man, paint on the ground. I'm like, okay, when you drop paint on the ground, you wipe it. You don't, you don't smear it into the cement. They said, no, go blend in. I said, not going to blend in. So their way of doing one thing and my way is completely different. Completely different. Because everyone has their own way of doing things. How about parent to child? Have you ever had your parent teach you something and they do it better and they'll tell you no no no, no that's not how you mow the lawn it's not how you mow the lawn you gotta go like this you go this way you cut back you come back this way you cut back this way you let the grass go this way you don't go in a circle you go a circle it's not crops what you making so you get into this disagreement because it's, it's different and then you're thinking no but my way is better and dad says no but i i've done that before try my way and so you have this this uh this like trial and error as well as or error as well as i, I want to try it my way mom dad you don't know i know better than you i'm 12 you're 50 so what do you know so you have this this back and forth kind of deal of my wisdom your wisdom and so for some of us we say okay go ahead you like weed whack with just shots 
shorts and slippery like weed whack. Go ahead on cinder. Go ahead. And they come back all bleeding, all rocks stuck to them. Dad, you get like uh, something I can put on. I told you wear a jacket. I told you put facial gear. Now look your face. Look like you get acne. So you have those two differences. Why? Because we all want to do things our own way. Our grandchildren, I tell them, this is how you bathe. Our children growing up, this is how you bathe. When you soap your hair and you rinse off, this is what you do, and this is how you soap yourself. And they're like, I know, I got it already. But when their eyes burn, we're like, see, good for you. Why? Because you never, like, listen to me. We're trying to teach you something. So you're always going to have that. Our, our human nature, our humanity, it just automatically reverts to self. And we think we know better than God. We, for some reason, we just think we know better than God. And, and when God gives us his wisdom, for us to apply it is his gift to us. He's saying, I'm giving you wisdom freely. I give it to you. Some of us pay big bucks for worldly wisdom. We buy books, CDs, seminars. We do all of these things, training. And God says, I have wisdom for you. Freely, from my word. Wisdom that you can apply in your marriage, in your life, in your family. It's free. But for some reason, we think we know better than God. I think we're at a place in life that, as, especially as believers, that we can honestly say to God, okay, God, I want to do things your way because I've learned what not to do. So can you teach me your way? And so in the book of Luke, two books that we're going to look at, the book of Luke and the book of John, we find this story that, yes, we can live our lives for ourselves, but end up dealing with the consequences. But this story is going to help us to understand that God has a way of doing things. He has a certain way, and sometimes we don't see his way until everything is said and done, and sometimes after the damage has taken place. Well, the disciples are learning about this with Jesus Christ. And in Luke chapter 5, Jesus calls his disciples, and they're now following him. They're learning about Jesus, just like you and I. We're learning about the ways of God. And so these are professional fishermen whom Jesus has, has called to himself. Some of them were professional fishermen. And so now Jesus is with them. And one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. So anytime you're with a fisherman and you're near water, that's their playground. That's their, their arena. They know what's best in that arena. So the people were crowding around Jesus and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put a little out from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And part of the reason why Jesus did that is not because the crowd was pushing him, but so that they could hear him acoustically better from when he was in the water than when he was on shore. It's just scientifically proven that it, it carries better on the water. And who else would know better than Jesus? He, yeah, he knows about these things. And so when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Oh, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Now let's, let's visualize this. Jesus is known as the carpenter. Peter is a fisherman. If you are a fisherman, I'm speaking to you here, and you know how to fish, and you, you got your technique down, you know how to fish. Imagine a carpenter saying, oh, brother, what, you caught fish? No, nothing. Hey, try it this way. Can you feel that, that tension? 
It's almost like saying, oh, you, you don't know what you're doing. Try it my way. But that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was giving them a principle. So when he says to Peter, oh, try to let down your nets on this side and, and, and see what happens. Peter says, well, we've, we, we've been working hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Almost like saying, <laughs> you're telling us what to do. Now, Peter's respecting Jesus at the same time. He's not, he's not being disrespectful in any way. He's just saying, we, we did this all night. What, what, what we did all night didn't work. And you're asking us to do this? Almost like saying, what do you know about fishing? And then Peter says something so incredibly important that this is what we want to catch today. When Peter said, well, Master, we, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And he continues and he says this, but because you said so, we will. Very important. Like Peter already knew what wasn't going to work. He was working hard all night long. But because you said so, I will. What we learn from this is we can give Jesus all the excuses we want. Oh, we tried this. I did ask for forgiveness. I tried to make it work. We tried this. I tried tithing. I tried giving. I tried serving. I tried all of this. But you know what, Lord, if you're asking me to do this because you said so, I will. What Jesus was teaching them wasn't about fishing. He wasn't teaching them about fishing. What he was teaching them was the very words he was speaking and the wisdom that came with it to do things God's way. Whenever God speaks something, it's wisdom beyond our years. So they continue. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they, they began to sink. So they'd never experienced this before. So many fish that they began to sink. At the same time, think about it this way. When Peter said, because you said so, I will, he was just doing it out of obedience, which is fine. But what he didn't expect was to actually catch that many fish. Because he's bringing up the nets and he's thinking, oh, wait a minute. Whoa, there's a lot of fish. There's a lot of fish. Let's just keep bringing them in. Keep bringing them in. Oh, my goodness. Let's keep bringing them in. And now he's learning, wait a minute. <laughs> my boat cannot handle all of this fish. So his, fish, his boat starts sinking from all the fish. So he has to call the other boats. He wasn't prepared for the promise. When God speaks something, his promises are too much for us to handle that we're going to need him for it. And what Peter realized was there's so much more to this story than what was, with what was happening than about fish. And because of that, Peter comes to Jesus. When, he saw, when, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the, at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. And now he gives Peter the vision of his life. He says, from now on, you will fish for people. Peter, you're going to become a fisher of men. And Peter just can't even fathom that. What do you mean, fisher of men? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get that yet. But Peter, Peter was sparked with a vision from the Lord. And he began his ministry later on. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, 
and follow Jesus. They left everything. That was their career. Imagine this, that they were more concerned about the creator than they were their career. And they followed him. They left everything. And they followed Jesus. Why? Because they were learning to do things God's way. Now, maybe God is speaking to you in such a way that maybe he's not saying, oh, we'll leave everything. But what he is saying is, here are some principles that I want to give to you that will help you to learn how to do things God's way. And we're going to learn three practical steps in helping us to do that, to do things God's way, because he knows what's best for us. And here's the first thing. we got to trust in the wisdom of God. we got to trust in the wisdom of God. In John chapter 21, we hear almost a similar story. So if you go to the right of the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, the ending of the book of John, chapter 21. This is after the death and resurrection of Jesus, which we celebrated last week the the resurrection of jesus so this is after jesus died and then rose from the grave and in verse 1 of john chapter 21 afterward jesus appeared again to his disciples by the sea of galilee it happened this way simon peter thomas also also known as didymus nathaniel from cana in galilee the sons of zebedee and two other disciples were together i'm going out to fish simon peter told them and they said we'll go with you so they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So they went back to their old profession. Jesus died, and they thought, we're done. Everything that we believed in is done because Jesus died. So they had no more hope for the movement that Jesus was bringing, which was the love of God and the hope of the good news of Jesus Christ. But early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And Jesus called out to them. He said, friends, haven't you any fish? You ask fishermen when they come into Pohiki, hey, you guys caught anything? And if they didn't, very rarely will they say, no. They'll say things like, ah, no more, no, they're not biting today. Oh, that was rough today. But the disciples, when he said, friends, haven't you any fish? He said, no, we haven't any. And maybe as a fisherman, you would just be crystal clear and just say, nope, we didn't catch anything. So Jesus says, well, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Once again, here you have fishermen being told by this strange person on the shore, did you catch any fish? No, try it this way. Imagine if someone telling you in your profession, maybe you're a, you're a, a doctor, maybe you're a lawyer, maybe you're a, a, a computer engineer or someone who, who builds things. Maybe you're a project manager or something, and someone, just random person says, hey, how are you doing with your job? Oh, man, we're having a difficult time doing this, doing this. They said, oh, why don't you try it like this? You'd be thinking, well, who are you? Not in a, a negative way, but like, how can I take your advice? What if the advice you give me is not adequate? Well, Jesus says, well, try it this way. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. Now, okay, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just picturing this. Here's the boat. And their boat wasn't that big. So here's the boat. Did you catch anything? No. Try on the right side of your boat. So from here to here. Right there. So it almost doesn't make sense. The pride of man would say, but that doesn't make sense. We were fishing all night long. We not only did the left and right side, we did the front, we did the back, we did diagonal. We covered this whole area. 
What do you think? When we throw net, we just throw net. It's like, oh, left side, no more nothing. Ah, oh, I go home. No, we fished all night long. But for some reason, when he said, hey, try it this way, throw it on the right side and then you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net, the net in because of the large number of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for, it, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. To me, that's far. To swim. I'm wondering if Peter jumped in the water, started swimming, he's like, what is this far? A hundred yards. So they, they, they're coming to shore where Jesus was. The other disciples followed. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now picture the scene. They're eating breakfast with, breakfast with Jesus, but they don't know it's him. Because his appearance, the Bible says, was different. So they're eating breakfast and looking like, do we say anything? What, what do we say? We know it's Jesus. But none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? And they knew it was the Lord. It's kind of like in the situations, you know when you know someone for a long time, but you forgot their name, but you're past the point of asking them what their name is? It's kind of like the situation. They, they didn't want to ask, wait, so who, are you Jesus? So they just kind of let it go. But they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. It's amazing, these two incidences of just catching fish, the principle of God, of obedience, of just saying, you know, I trust in what you're saying. That, yeah, it may not make sense from here to here. We've fished all night long. We've done this before. But for you to tell us to do this, we're going to trust in your wisdom. We don't understand it, but we're going to trust in your wisdom. That's what they were dealing with. When Heidi and I, before Heidi and I got married, Heidi is my wife, we've been married for 26 years. Before we got married, people used to tell us, um, are you sure? Are you sure you want to get married? Because this is not like boyfriend and girlfriend kind of thing that, oh, I'm going to break up with you kind of thing. This is you, you want to be sure. Well, we've known each other for seven years, so that kind of helped. But even still, people were coming up to me. Some of my friends, he's like, brah, you can get married. You can be tied down. You can ball and chain. You're not going to be able to do anything. I'm thinking, brah, you married? He's like, yeah, I'm telling you right now. It's changed, you know. So I said, no, but we, we want to do things right with God, and we want to do things well. And, and so people were giving us all of this advice. And, 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 but there was this one person who gave us great advice. It was godly wisdom. Now, she did it in a way that was her way. And we have some people like this in our life that will just speak it into our lives in the way we need to hear. She, we were, uh, Heidi and I were together. She came up to us, and, and God bless her soul. She's gone home to be with the Lord, and now she's probably saying, see, I told you. He Heidi and I were together, and she said, okay, I'm just going to say this one time, one time. That's it, one time, because she wanted us to get married. She said, I'm just going to say this one time. If you don't get married, you're going to hell. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. And then she left. She walked away. <laughs> I looked at her and I was like, hey, we, we got to get married right now. <laughs> we gotta... But what she did was she was saying, the blessings that comes 
with the wisdom of God is simply amazing. There's a blessing that comes with it. God has a way of doing things. His way is always the best way. But what helped us is not because I wanted to get married to Heidi or Heidi wanted to get married to me. It had more to do with what the Lord was speaking. And so I found this scripture. It's not in your notes, but our scripture for our marriage, well, mine was Proverbs 18.22. And it says this, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. She is a blessing to him from the Lord. She's a blessing to him from the Lord. And I thought, wait a minute, Lord. It's not that you just bring people together. My wife is a blessing to me from you. So wives, husbands, husbands, your wife is a gift to you from God. Non-returnable, no more receipt. (laughs) She is a gift to you. You should be smiling right now. How come you're not? The wives are. They're like, yeah, preach it, brother. But I tried to find one for the husbands, but no more. There's no scripture that says husbands are such a gift to the wife. I don't know why. I have no idea why. But what Heidi and I had to do is base our relationship on the wisdom of God. Because it was going to be his way. His way was going to work the best. We had to trust in his wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, it tells us, For the foolishness of God is wiser than any human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. In other words, our greatest wisdom is still foolishness to God. We can come up with the best ideas, but if it's not godly wisdom, it only does so many things in our lives. But the wisdom of God it, it, like it unlocks the blessings of God. So trust in the wisdom of God. And the second step that will help us to do things God's way is to count the cost when making our own decisions. And not just decisions in general, but making our own decisions that are separate from God. Like count the cost. We know what God is saying, but we're trying to make our own decisions. We want to we make something happen, so we rush into it and we're irrational when we're, we're thinking it through. So we just make decisions based upon what we feel and what we think versus what, we, what, what are you saying, God? Like, I really need to count the cost of making my own decisions. Lest things happen and we deal with the consequences thereafter. Got to ask God for that wisdom because we're all going to make decisions based on how we feel. And sometimes it leads us in places we shouldn't be in. When I was younger, and some of you may have done this, we used to jump off of our patio roof, which is not that high. It's maybe eight feet, nine feet. And we used to jump off of it. We were probably five, six years old. And we were living at uh, Hickam Air Force Base. So we thought, wait a minute, maybe, maybe if we jump off, we can use an umbrella. Some of you may have thought this before. And, and so we, we tried jumping off. Now other kids were like, don't do it, don't do it. And we're like, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? So we jump off the roof with the umbrella. Doesn't work. I'm thinking, I, I thought it would work. I'm Filipino. I was 12 pounds at that time. I could handle this. So it didn't work. So straight to the ground. And what does the umbrella do? It just flipped open and it, boom, to the ground. Everyone's like, ah, it never worked. So the, the genius thinking that I had wasn't to stop jumping off the roof. The genius thinking, for many of you, what would it be? Either get a bigger umbrella or a trash bag. So I got a trash bag. 
went up on, Jaden, you would do this too, Jaden. I'm sorry. I know you just got your tibia and fibula. But uh, you would, we, we got the trash bag and we jumped off the roof. Still didn't work. Fell to the ground as hard as if you didn't even have the bag. Fell to the ground like a fossil. You know when you find fossils, it's, that's how you <laughs> fell on the ground. You just hit the ground and you would either cut wind, cut face, or cut off. <laughs> something would just, something got hurt. And yes, we could have listened to the wisdom of people, but here was our mentality. What is the worst thing that can happen? That's our thought. What is the worst thing that can happen? But here's the problem with that thinking. What's the worst that can happen becomes your bar, your mark, your boundary. What is the worst that can happen? Which means the worst is going to happen because that's your edge. That as far as you're going to go, you're going to continue to push that. Can we change our way of thinking? Can we maybe ask God for this kind of wisdom? Instead of saying, what is the worst that can happen? Say to ourselves, God, what is the best thing that can happen? Now, what is the worst thing that can happen? Because that pushes us to the edge and eventually causes us to fall off. Sometimes we think, oh, I can flirt. What is the worst thing that can happen? What is the worst thing that can happen? You mess everything up. But Lord, what is the best thing that can happen? What is the best thing that can happen if I stay true to my marriage? Lord, what is the best thing that can happen if I spend more time with my family, my children? What is the best thing that can happen? Vision out for your life. What is the best thing that can happen? And then make decisions based on that, not what is the worst thing that can happen. Because if we count the cost with the decisions we're going to make, our own decisions, we can probably line out and, and, and probably put in order, oh boy, if I make that decision, it may lead to this, it may lead to this, it might get worse. So, Lord, I don't want to go that route. Lord, help me to make the best decision based on your wisdom, not my wisdom. I want to do things your way, and I want to count the cost because of who you are, not because of who I am. I want to make wise decisions, lest the mentality become what's the worst that can happen. My children and I were, we had this uh, video camera long ago that wasn't working correctly. And so I was thinking, well, what if we just take it apart, see what's in it, and then maybe we can, you know, fix it. And then Heidi, of course, with the wisdom, she goes, no, don't take it apart, because once you take it apart, it's broke. I said, no, but what is the worst that can happen? It's already broke. She goes, yeah, but at least maybe you can repair it somewhere with someone who knows how to. I'm like, I'm not, I, all I'm going to do is just take it apart and put the screws where I need to, and I got it. She goes, okay, up to you. It's, it's one of those things that when a wife says, okay, up to you, it's like the, just that still small voice of God saying, it's not going to turn out correct how you want it. So we took it apart, and we made sure we put the screws in the right place, like how everything is going to be. We opened it up, and there were a few things that didn't look correct, but we just didn't know how to fix it. So we just, like, shake things and, you know, push things around, and yeah, maybe it'll work. We put it back together, five screws left over. I'm like, how is this possible? I was like, guys, we put everything back. Yep, put everything back. I'm like, how is this possible? How can there be five screws left over? Heidi goes, what happened? I said, nothing, don't worry. God went bless us and we get multiplied screws. So, but it was broke. It was done. That was the last. That we, it didn't even work after that. At least you could play tapes in it back then, but it didn't work at all. So what's the worst that can happen? Happened. The worst that could happen was it didn't work at all because that was our edge. See, when we have the edge of what is the worst that can happen, we're not really counting the cost. 
we're going to deal with the cost. When you count the cost, you don't need to deal with the cost because you counted the cost before, and now you can make a better decision when you count the cost, not just deal with it. And God wants to renew our way of thinking. He wants, to, he wants us to now think of what is the best thing that can happen. For some of you, you said yes to Jesus sometime in life or maybe last week. By the way, 51 people said yes to Jesus last week at our Easter services. So what a way to start off Easter. We thank God for that. And so if you receive Jesus, we always encourage you to visit our Yes table. We have a Bible with some reading material in there. It'll help you with your walk with Jesus. If you receive Jesus today, I'll be there right after service, and we can talk about the Lord or if you need prayer. But the decisions that we're making are life-altering decisions. Therefore, we need to count the cost. That's what it says in the book of Luke, chapter 14, verse 28. It says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. We do that practically in life. We count the cost. Many of you use coupons. You make sure you buy only what's on the list. You count the cost before you go to the store. Those of us who just shop randomly and blind, we go to the registers like, oh, $750 for toothpaste. <laughs> only came for toothpaste. But we don't write things out. We don't count the cost. For those of you who count the cost, you don't deal with consequences because you thought things through. So trust in the wisdom of God, count the cost, and then exchange my way or your way, exchange your way for God's way. That's the last point. Just exchange your way for God's way. Make that exchange. And I thought, what does this exchange look like? So I, I just listed down some things that I thought, okay, just at the top of my head, what are some things I exchanged with God? One was my purpose. When I said yes to Jesus, I exchanged my purpose for my life for his, my lifestyle. I made that exchange, my lifestyle for his lifestyle. My habits, I had to change my habits to now developing godly habits. My perspective, I had to change my perspective to now his perspective. My time, I had to change how I utilize my time and how I organize my life to now his time. My words, I had to exchange all of my words with the words of God. In other words, all the words that were coming out of my mouth were not godly words, so I had to make that exchange. My attitude, I had to exchange my attitude for the attitude of Christ. My obedience, I had to exchange my obedience to self to my obedience to God. And the way I did relationships, I had to exchange the way I did relationships to how God does relationships. Myself, I had to exchange self for service, that you make that exchange, or energy, how much energy I pour out of my life into what I'm pouring it out into, I have to rethink that and say, Lord, I want to pour out all of my energies to your kingdom, and there has to be that exchange. Otherwise, we just exist. I love the story about the, the businessman who was visiting Hawaii, went down to the shorelines of Hawaii, and he came to a, a man who brought in some fish, and he says, hey, I, I noticed you caught some fish, so... Uh, how long were you out? He says, oh, about two hours. Man, you caught those fish? He said, yeah. He says, well, what are you going to do with those fish? He said, oh, it's just for the day for my family and I. He says, so after you catch the fish, what do you do? He said, well, I, I clean the fish, and then we, we cook the fish, and 
I sit down with my family. We eat fish together. My kids play for a little bit. We, after we're done, we clean up, and then we just play music, kind of kapila, in our garage, and we just relax. And, and then our kids, you know, we, as we tuck them into bed, they go to sleep. And, and then my wife and I, we can just hang out underneath the stars, and then, and then we call it for a night. We, we go to sleep. He says, then what do you do the next day? Kind of the same thing. We, we do that. We just love our life. We're just simple people. And he says, you know, I, I'm a PhD in, in, in business, so um, you know what you can do? You can, you can actually multiply, and if you stayed out longer, you could catch more fish. And the man says, and, uh, and then what? He says, no, then, then you just take the fish you need, and then you sell the rest, and then you can make money. He says, and, and, and then what do I do? He says, then with the money, you invest it back into your company, and then you, you get more boats, and then you get more people, and then you can get more fish, and then you can go out fishing. You can build a factory. You can make millions and then go on the stock exchange, and then you can, you can have this global company. What do you mean? What can you do? And you're going to have all of this money. You'll be a multimillionaire. I can help you. I'm, I, I know business. He says, wow, so I can, be, I can make millions? He says, yeah. And, and, and then what do I do? What do I do after that? So what do you mean? What do you do? You can retire. You can retire and just fish for a day and just catch whatever you need just for the day, eat lunch with your children, watch them play, and then you can kind of kapila in your garage and you can call a night with your wife, watch the stars, and you'd have a great day. He goes, oh, I'm doing that already. And I think we have this mentality that success is somewhere rather than success is someone. You can, you, can, you can have all that you want in the world and still, still be empty. But you can be poor in spirit and see God. Because success is not somewhere. It's someone. And when you have this relationship with Jesus, everything else can be added. But that doesn't tell you if you're successful or not. The Lord is our success. That's why with him, when we exchange this life for his, it's even better than the life we vision for ourselves. In the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 36 and 37, it says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And let's read this part together. Ready, go. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And here's my question. What are you willing to give in exchange for your soul? As well as, why not make that exchange today that Jesus wants to offer? Our life for his. It's a better life than the life we've been living. He just wants us to do it his way. We benefit from it, and we benefit from his promises. You may have known Jesus for a long time, and you're saying, but I've been trying. It's not about trying. It's about living. You're living for him. There's a difference. Try means you're able to stop. Lifestyle says, this is normal for me. This is forever. This is how I'm going to live. So today, I want to encourage you with that. I'm going to ask you to close your Bibles and put away your notes and Glenn can come to the, the keyboard. I want to close with this story with my grandchildren. And I, I love the fact that God gives us not just his wisdom, but he also gives us his opportunities. My grandchildren were playing outside one day in the water. And 
it started to, the sun started to go down. And I believe this was last week's Sunday, Easter Sunday. So we're, we're, having, we're having Easter at my house. They're playing water outside. Now, as the sun goes down, they start to freeze. They're coming cold, but they still want to play outside. And I'm noticing that they're starting to freeze. You know how they're cold and they're like, and I'm saying, hey, guys, come inside. Why don't you come in and you guys can ow, ow. You can take a shower, take a bath in the warm water. I'm like, we want to play outside water balloons. I said, yeah, yeah, but you're dying from hypothermia. You need to come inside and, and play. And, and you, can, you can go in the tub. It'll be so much warmer. You can defrost. You can get your blood circulating again. Let CPS come. So I want to make sure that you're well taken care of. Sorry, that was a joke. Maybe not a good one. So I said, why don't you come inside? It'll be warm. And this is the look they give me. And I could read their faces. Their faces was this. But if I go inside, I can no longer play. If I go in the tub, I no longer can have fun. If I go in the warm water, what about the balloons? So I could see the dilemma on their face. And I said this, just imagine that you'll be warmer and you can play on the inside. We're going to eat dinner. We're, gonna, we're still going to have fun. But you're not going to be freezing. And eventually they came in and they, they all took a bath. And I thought, that sounds like me and sometimes us. When God says, hey, I, here, here I, have a, I have a plan and a purpose for you. It's so much better than what's happening right now. Right now you're freezing. We're on the other side, on the outside saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but if I give up this life, then what if I can't have any more fun? What if, what if I can't play anymore? I mean, what's, what's on that side? And God is saying, I, you, you can't. Just imagine. Imagine what life could be like. Just imagine. The life that I have for you is infinitely better than the life that you have for yourself. So why not trust in my wisdom? Know that I can make that exchange with you. Trust in my wisdom. Count the cost of your own decisions because this decision is the best decision for you because I know how you work best. So trust in me. And that's my heart. That's our prayer today is that we would seek God, trust in Him, and start doing things His way. Or at least continue. If you have been doing things God's way, continue to do things God's way. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we're so grateful that we can learn from you, that we can do things your way. And it's difficult because we're creatures of habit. So I pray for all of us that you will renew our minds to help us to become more like you, that we will develop your kind of thinking. I pray for those that have never said yes to you, Lord. And if you're here and you're saying, you know, I've never given my heart to Jesus, so I don't know how to do things God's way. I'm, I'm still learning about God. Well, God wants to breathe your spirit into life and he wants to awaken your spirit, but it's going to require his spirit to dwell in you and bring your spirit to life. So as we say this prayer, and we can all say this prayer, even though you've said this a thousand times, it's such a reminder for us on the commitment we made to God as well as His promise to us. And if this is your first time saying this prayer, include your heart as I lead you in this prayer. And it's a prayer of salvation, of forgiveness, of eternal life. And here's our prayer. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me eternal life. I believe in you and I thank you 
for this free gift. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you are. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and for all those who said yes to you today and beyond. We're so grateful for because of who you are. And if you said yes to Jesus this morning, would you just lift a hand real briefly and you're saying, I said yes to Jesus for the first time. And just wanna, I just want to pray over you. Okay, God sees you right there. Yeah, okay. God bless you right there, back there. God sees you. God bless you too. Okay, right there. God sees you. God bless you. God bless you. Okay. Okay, put your hands down. Lord, you see the hands. You see the hearts. We pray that as they begin their walk with you, they will never be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen.